the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, on behalf Team of Detroit, hey, we want to present these buffs to our governor, hey. Big Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. Woo. You can find her in the press under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Come on. Big Gretch and this bitch playing no roles. Excuse all. all the cussing. That's just how I get my flow on. For real. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Gretch said stay home. All that protesting was irrelevant. irrelevant. Big Gretch ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we going to take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Got him shook now. When it's all over, you invited to the cookout. When it's all over, you deserve to get took out. Big Gretch with the bucks on on the lookout. Uh, and she doing it for Michigan. So when she hit the stand, everybody should be listening. She on that pair of bucks with the ice in them glistening. On behalf of the whole Detroit mission. Throw the bucks on her face. Cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face. Because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Big Gretch. Spreading like a plague And POTUS and his lackeys Have been nothing if not vague Well then you've got to trust the CDC And listen well Unless you want to bid our free society Farewell There is a Super bad transmittable Contagious awful virus And if we don't act quick And social distance It will mire us In a stretch of quarantine That lasts until July A super bad transmittable Contagious awful and if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. 
Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start If you get bored just think of the immunocompromised Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilised Oh Superman, transmittable, contagious, awful virus If we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine the last until July Oh Superman, transmittable, super transmittable, Superman, transmittable, contagious Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, this hour we're going to look at um, an interesting story that's a little reminiscent of uh, the story of Noah's Ark, and um, it's uh, it's it's wrapped up in a in a book by um, Don Cook, author of the new book Ithiana, Last Daughter of Atlantis, Book One: How the World Ended. A millennia ago and he joins me now by phone Don good morning and welcome to the show good morning Tom I, I thank you for having me on your show today um, let me let me ask about this um, you talk about um, Ithiana or Ithi as her friends call her is the last daughter um, of Atlantis what do we know about Atlantis? How much of this did you have to, you know, fill in, and 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 how much were you able to really talk about or put in context the history of Atlantis? Well, first of all, Tom, as everyone knows, that many many things that are said about Atlantis today are based upon simple conjecture and speculation. So when it came to I created a, much of it on my own, but I, when it came to the characteristics of Ithiana's time, I used one verse as my guiding principle, my, my guide for how to construct this world. And this is in, oddly enough, Matthew twenty four thirty seven, where it says, as it was, in, to paraphrase, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be before the coming of the Son of Man. And there are many Christians who believe that we're in the end times. And using today's world as a guide, based on that scripture, I decided to take the world as we know it today, and that we've known for about the last 80, 100 years, and simply, as I call it, Atlantianize it. Add some Babylonian, Egyptian, and Greco-Roman touches, well, and, Atlantis has been talked about forever, Don. Um, yeah. But as yeah. you point out, it's it's mostly conjecture, speculation, wishful thinking. Um, is there is there some pretty credible proof that Atlantis was real, or did you just use the mythology as a backdrop for the story you wanted to tell? Well, I used what I had learned about, parts of what I learned about Atlantis, and some evidence, some alleged evidence about structures in, for one thing, they, they, it's been talked, they've talked about the, it's been spoken about in, about the island, the highways that lead off 
on the island of Bimini into the sea, and certain structures that are so uniform that they couldn't that they could not have been done by natural forces, but instead by carefully constructed human hands that are under the sea. And I used and much of this I based also on the logic and knowing the way humans behave. And I used the idea that our technology has enabled so many evils as well as good. And for example, if the one of Ithiana's favorite devices, the calm crystal, that's actually my Atlantean stories Atlantean version of the smartphone. Ah. And yeah, and also hover vehicles where where they'd be more they're a lot they'd be more like a more credible version of what Doc Brown had in Back to the Future Part Two. Yeah, when he came back and said roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and you know, I decided to uh, have have Ithiana bomb around her hometown of Lux Dieco, which is in the California like Republic province of Calatarion, which is part Californian, part Ontarian, that is the province of Ontario up in Canada where I live. So I blended both into one, and many people say that there's a lot of similarities between Ontario, Canada, and the state of California, including, I might add, Tom, something very chilling. In both nations, uh, Ontario and California are, are each the most indebted, financially indebted, that is, subnational jurisdictions in their respective countries. Ontario being the most indebted province in Canada and the most indebted subnational jurisdiction on earth, that is, province, state, or whatever, and California having the highest debt in the Union. Don, um, when is Atlantis reported to have existed and subsequently perished? Well, some people say that it was around 10,000 B.C. when that's what certain sources say, but I took the idea from an old In Search Of episode hosted by Leonard Nimoy, when Mr. Nimoy, at the very end of the, of the episode about Noah's Ark, mentioned that allegedly the fall of Atlantis and, and, the, and the deluge of Noah took place r- around roughly the same time. And I decided, well, when it came to the flo- when it came to the uh, when it came to the fall of Atlantis into the sea, I saw how well this fit into the flood narrative of Noah, and how and how Atlantis was a re- a reputedly to be- had reputedly become so evil, so wicked and corrupt that it fits into the Genesis story about the flood and why God had to flood out the world. And, and Don, the, the, one of the interesting things about your book is, is the fact that, um, uh, that it's faith-based as well as this fantasy sci-fi story. And 
and I want to talk a little bit about the timeline just just for another moment, um, because some biblical scholars say that there's something like only six thousand years of human history. Um, has that changed in recent decades and years of of Bible study and other historical uh, searches? Well, the creationists would argue that uh, Earth's only been around for a few thousand years, which would fit into the idea of a, what they call a young Earth theory quite nicely. And I use this young Earth idea as the basis for, for the book. And that when it comes to the time between the day Adam and Eve had a bite of the forbidden fruit and fell from God's grace, and the, the day the flood began to hit. I, I did some research, and it was about 1,656 years between those two events. So, in 1,656 years, humanity could have easily advanced to where we are now or above that technologically. And I, and I decided since Atlantis was reputed to be a, a technologically advanced society, I decided to have it be more advanced than we are today using hover vehicles, including Ithiana's favorite hover bike, which got her around town and where, where she literally went over the speed limit, which I had, which I measured in long cubits, which in my story, is the is the length of a nautical mile. And whenever she got pulled over by her people's version of the road road of the of the roadside police or the calitarian safety road knighthood, whenever she got pulled over for speeding, she managed to bl- psychically bluff her way out by using well feminine charms. And by doing the same thing that, that Ben Kenobi did with the stormtroopers in Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope, that when the stormtroopers stopped Ben Kenobi to ask, inquired about the about 3PO and R2D2, uh, Ben Kenobi worked his powers on the weak-minded stormtrooper, saying that these weren't the droids they were looking for, and they don't need to see the ident- their, the the identification that they can go about his business. And I had Ithiana do something like that with the road night in Chapter 1 after the prologue so that she could beat another traffic ticket, or as I call it, writ of traffic. And so that's one thing. And secondly, as far as the timeline goes, I've learned that it, that creationism makes more sense. And one of the people I dedicated the book to was my late pastor, Howard Katz, an evangelical Christian of Jewish background, who actually did extensive research into the flood and flood science. So I based this stuff on science, the research done by creationist scientists, and therefore, when it comes to the scientific aspects of, of the flood, that's the basis for Ithiana, last out of last book one. More with author Don Cook, straight ahead. Everybody's doing. 
it'll brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More with author Don Cook straight ahead. In in your story and in your um, uh, beliefs about uh, Atlantis, did the inhabitants live above or below the sea? They live on land. Okay. They lived on land because Atlantis was was a uh, was I. Normally, people say normally Atlantis has been described as a continent nation, a continent empire. But I just decided to use the idea of a one single supercontinent, not called Pangaea, but instead known as Rodinia, and that's actually been stated as a precursor supercontinent to Pangaea. And I decided to have Atlantis simply be the most powerful nation on Earth at that time. And okay. we lived above, and even though Ithiana and several others, by genetic shepherding, was transformed into amphib- into an amphibian, so she could just be like her folks, and be able to breathe underwater and swim like a fish, and withstand pressure and temperature changes that the sea brings with it, so she could walk literally walk on the bottom of the ocean. And today, she could easily walk under, on the very bottom, most part of the, the Marineris Trench, the deepest point on Earth. With uh, one, last, uh, one last thing about the timeline, and then we'll talk about uh, uh, some of the um, other similarities and differences uh, between Noah's story and your story about uh, Atlantis and their adventure. Um, You're suggesting in in your Atlantis that that people had already become very technologically advanced with hover cars and cell phones and that sort of thing, or at least similar type devices, or more advanced than we are today. And yeah, exactly. And and then, do you use the flood then as? as a complete reboot, a starting over, and we maybe just haven't progressed as quickly in the in the new, um, in the 2.0 version? We have, no, we, I, I, I agree. I would say that I used how, you know, because whenever people get advanced enough in, in the tools they create and in the machines they they manufacture, they can give people a pretty arrogance, strong sense of arrogance. And that I also, I also think about another story that happened after Noah and his family left the ark, the story of King Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, where there must have been enough memory about a pre-flood civilization that was extremely advanced, where King Nimrod wanted to build a tower and use that as the starting point for doing scientific research about life, the universe, and everything that they could get back to a certain advanced state and progress from there, but 
God knows that it would have really made humans bad again. So he created the language barriers, probably basing it on the psyches of the average worker at the site. And when people can't talk to each other because of a language barrier, that kiboshes any project. And Does your story take place in tandem with uh, the flood and and Noah and and um, or is there are there just comparisons being drawn? Well, it takes place in line with the flood. Yes, it does. so so the flood is the reason that Ithiana is suggesting that Atlanteans. Um, Escape. The Escape to another planet. Right. Just like, just like the, the same kind of plot line that was used in the book and movie When Worlds Collide, that movie being having been released in 1951. And even in that book, Tom, even that story at least, uh, the, one of the delegates of the UN said, a 20th century Noah's Ark, huh? And then the guy in the project says, yes, as many of them as can be built in that short of time. And and just as Ithiana had her scoffers, the project masters at, in When Worlds Collide had their critics. And I based part of it on that. I also based it on, as well as the Bible, I based it on, and the downfall of Atlantis, I based it in part on When Worlds Collide. Ithiana's powers on Ben Kenobi's in Star Wars, the use of the self, the calm crystals on the smartphones we have today, and uh, the various dissident groups, the various uh, troublemaking groups, namely the spectralists, on anything left-wing, that if Antifa, BLM, and every other left-wing Radical organization was met a spectralist who wanted to start a new spectralist movement. They'd band together overnight and become the new spectralists. How did um, how did you become interested in both um, Judeo Christian? teachings and science fiction at the same time. Not that those should be considered mutually exclusive, but they often are. Yeah, well, it's kind of where... Tom, I find that I have an interesting answer for that. I... And I learned this long after I had... long after I'd become a science fiction fan, because I came to faith in Jesus Christ as a ten-year-old. But I also had a love for science fiction because of how wonderful, wonderful the science fiction films look. One of my favorites science fiction TV shows was a British TV show called Thunderbirds back in the mid-60s. I remember that show. Yes, and I found that it was a very gutsy, gung-ho show and also like Star Trek, too. And back ten years after... Thunderbirds was made, there was a show called Space 1999, and it gave me the, ex gave me an, that show, as bad as it was in many respects, it gave me exercise for my brain. 
It helped me to think. I love shows that help you think. Anything that helps you think and makes you question. When you question, you can either have bad beliefs discarded or good beliefs strengthened. And for a long time, I asked myself, self, why do you love both science fiction and the Bible? Where's the connect? Or is there a connect? And as time went on, Tom, I saw that there was a connect, and it wasn't so much the genre that was the problem. It was many of the writers in that genre. And I decided, well... I'll take their, many of their conventions, or as science fiction people often say, their tropes, and reshape them in whatever way I saw fit, in a way that fits the Bible, and it has to fit the Bible or else I won't do it. I would say, I even asked God, I've even asked God whenever I write anything, that if God finds something terribly and irrevocably wrong or evil with what I'm doing, for God to grant me a graceful exit from that project and leave it be. In this book, uh, Ithiana, Last Daughter of Atlantis, Book One, How the World Ended a Millennia Ago, Book One suggests that there are more. Is this one of two or three or ten? Do you expect this to be a, a long-running series? or? Well, that's the plan, Tom. That's the plan. That it would be a long-running series. A long-running series. I haven't figured out how many books I'll write, but it's going to be... I'm not going to I'm not going to venture anything, but it's where it's a correct... She, at the end, she goes on what's called a correction. Starts with a, she, at the end of the book, she starts what's called a correctional odyssey at the behest of God Almighty in the form of the Lion of Judah. Well, I borrowed another convention, Aslan, from C.S. Lewis's Narnia books. Only I have him more directly called The Lion of Judah. And he has a gentle side that uh, literally appeals to Ed, that when the Lion of Judah sees someone about to die and he offers them salvation, he, they can either say yes or no. And... If they say no, he just politely walks away, sad but politely. And with Ithiana, she's a particularly tough cookie, and literally, and even at the end of the book, she's not entirely convinced of the ways of God. Though she is, but she's willing to learn. So this is a learning odyssey of learning and unlearning. Like Yoda said in The Empire Strikes Back, you must unlearn what you have learned. And this is part of the thing Ithion will have to do throughout the rest of the saga. And, and learning with them... And learning what she needs to learn and unlearn respectively until she gets it and sees what she has to... comes to the conclusion God wants her to. Don, I was reading uh, a little something about the, the book, and it... it suggested that the book was uh, based on um, your short film The Last Atlantean from 2009 which uh, yeah which which placed very well on IMDB's uh, movie meet meter in 2010 um, but 
how much of the of the seed for the story in the short film and now in this book series um, is based on things that are going on Early? currently? Are, how similar are they? No, well, I could tell you right no, now. What, Tom, no, what I was gonna no, what I was gonna ask is um, how much of the original idea is based on things that are happening currently. Well, I decided that I that uh, if Yon, like, by the way, I I'll admit I had drifted away from the faith for a while, but I worked my way. I I, I went came back to my faith in Christ eventually, but around 2010. But before I, before I did, I made the last Atlantean short, and I literally saw the world as it was at that time, and saw so many similarities in how the main character, when she got mad at Shimadia, had the woman who played that particular character... I took an idea from rom-coms and had her had the idea of the woman betrayed by a bad boyfriend and tra- had her tra- do it, perform it so that she could be make a very convincing woman who had been betrayed by everybody by the behaviors of humans and how we how and I used witty witty descriptors about how humanity had erred and showing about how how it was a sh- how the how when Moses came down from Mount Sinai to give the 10 commandments it was a shock and awe show and that Babylon had amazing hanging gardens but they couldn't read what couldn't read wall writing they couldn't read the writing on the wall and therefore fell and the Medo Persians had a very strict law code so anal, as I called it, that it made Judge Judy look like John Lennon. And <laughs> Alexander the Great was, as much as he conquered much of the world, he had no real plan as to how to let his estate go and who, to whom would, would inherit it when he died. And when he died, he simply said to the strongest, not so great at estate planning. And the Romans were very bloody gluttons and many times... America and Rome have been compared to one another. And the Dark Ages being ignoramuses, King Henry VIII being a male Liz Taylor because of the number of wives he had, only Liz Taylor didn't kill off her husband, she just dumped them. And, of course, the various conflicts and how the thread of the book and the thread of the film was that we have made the same mistakes we're making the same mistakes today that her people did back in the days of Atlantis. And this is more, both film and book, Tom, are, are warnings about how this terrible sense of deja vu is happening. We've been here before, Tom, in terms of the terrible things that are going on today. Because they, I believe that there was an ancient civilization, whether it's called Atlantis or not, I just used... Atlantis is a convenient, easy-to-understand name. But still, the pre-flood world was pretty bad. Even God labeled as corrupt and evil, and anything that humans did that was evil was based upon what they thought and felt that was evil. 
and it's very much like today, very much like today, Tom, and that kernel of truth formed the nucleus for both book and short film. Why, um, why do you think, Don, that so much of uh, science fiction literature is dystopian in nature as opposed to um, oh, George Orwell's uh, original belief that, uh, you know, everything was going to be better in the future? Yeah, you know what? George Orwell was, yeah, it's interesting you pointed it out, Tom, because George Orwell was once an ardent socialist. And I've always admired George Orwell, whose real name was Eric Arthur Blair. George Orwell was just his pen name, by the way. He, as time went on, he saw the folly of socialism. And whether he, I think he remained a socialist all his life, but he also saw the pitfalls of socialism. And he ha- I, I, I admire anybody who still has sticks to their guns in terms of what they believe in. Well, they, you know what's, I, what's interesting about that and about how you characterize his um, uh, awakening, if you will, is the, uh, the quote from Winston Churchill where he says, uh, uh, democracy is the worst form of government on the planet except for all the others. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like that. I like Winston Churchill's wit, and I agree. Well, yeah, but, and, and what he's saying is basically the same thing that George Orwell discovered about socialism, is that all systems have flaws. So he didn't yeah. abandon what? it, but he recognized that it had flaws, the same as Winston Churchill is doing when he looks at democracy and says it's the worst, except for all the others, so I think I'll keep it. And when it comes to any system of governance, Tom, the system is the, fa- the faults of the system are not just in the system, but they're even more in us. The trouble with any system of governance of humans by humans and for humans is that it, we deal, have to deal with humans. And I remember this sort of principle being true in a, an old Dragnet episode that I heard that where I heard Jack Webb's Joe Friday character talking about why they'd always have problems with police brutality, and where where Chief Parker. The real-life Chief Parker had made a very interesting observation that we'd always have problems because of one thing. They have to recruit their officers from the human race. Right. And that's the problem. The human, the fault is in, is not in our stars or in our systems, but in ourselves. That's the real problem. You can set up the best system that any humans could ever devise, any human system, but you know what? The human factor is the problem. And unfortunately, despite the New World Order's efforts to try and make humans conform, there's still a rebellious streak that literally listens to the voice of the devil and rebels or listens to the voice of God and rebels. So it's our inner rebel that will thwart any system or cause it to break down whether or not it's conquered from without or from within. And... Human folly, the sinner, the, info, the sinner side of man, or the hide side, as I sometimes call it, as in 
Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, that will kibosh any system. Every system that has been tried has ultimately failed, but somehow, because Winston Churchill's point out rightly that democracy is the worst system after all the rest, that's another way of saying that democracy, when it comes to a spe- to systems, is the best of a bad bunch. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good way of rephrasing it. My guest is Don Cook, author of the new book, Ithiana, Last Daughter of Atlantis, Book One, How the World Ended a Millennia Ago. It's the uh, first in a series. Um, Don, I, the time has just flown by, and we're pretty much out of it, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about and about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? I do indeed, Tom. And the website is www.donniverse.com. That's D-O-N-N-Y-V-E-R-S-E dot com. They can find about me, about more about me, the book, my books, and also where they can get the books. Well, and excellent. Just, Don, thank you so much for spending this time well, with me and the listeners, and keep up the good work. Thank you, and thank you for having me on your show. I truly appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, bye. Bye. Once again, uh, author of um, a science fiction thriller, uh, called um, Ithiana, Last Daughter of Atlantis, Book One, How the World Ended a Millennia Ago, from uh, author Don Cook. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight <laughs>
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage, basketball or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney General and we got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash AG. Put those away. We're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. There's a fellow by the name of Noah, built an ark. Everybody knows he built an ark. He said, what did Noah do? He said, well, he built an ark. But very few people know about the conversation that went on between the Lord and Noah. You see, Noah was in his rec room sawing away. He's making a few things for the home there. He's a good carpenter. Vuba, 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 vuba. Noah. Somebody call? Vuba, vuba, vuba. Noah. Who is that? It's the Lord, Noah. Right. Where are you? What do you want? I've been good. I want you to build an ark. Right. What's an ark? <laughs> Get some wood, build it 300 cubits by 80 cubits by 40 cubits. Right. What's a cubit? Let's see, a cubit. I used to know what a cubit was. Uh, Well, don't worry about that, Noah. When you get that done, go out into the world, collect all of the animals in the world by twos, male and female, and put them into the ark. (laughs) Right. Who is this really? What's going on? How come you want me to do all these weird things? I'm going to destroy the world. Right. Am I on candid camera? How are you going to do it? I'm going to make it rain for a thousand days and drown them right out. Right. Listen, do this, you'll save water. Let it rain for 40 days and 40 nights and wait for the sewers to back up. Right. 
I was just wondering, what would be the effect of an arc on the average neighbor? Now, here's a guy going to work seven o'clock in the morning, Noah's next door neighbor, and he sees the arc. Hey! Yo, up there! What do you want? What is this? It's an arc. Uh-huh. You want to get it out of my driveway? I got to get to work. Listen, what's this thing for anyway? I can't tell you. Ha, 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 ha. Well, I mean, can't you give me a little hint? You want a hint? Yes, please. How long can you tread water? <laughs> of course, Noah had, had a heck of a job, really. He, he had to go out and collect all of the animals in the world by twos, two mosquitoes, male or female. <laughs> and uh, he had to keep telling the rabbits, only two, only two, only two. We find Noah pulling up the last two animals, two hippos, and he's really in a hurry to get them up because he's afraid that the Lord's going to call him and ask him to do something else, and his nerves are shot. This is one heck of a job for a man 600 years old. <laughs> so we find him pulling up the last two hippos, and of course the Lord does call him there. Come on, fat hippos, hurry up. Come on, will you please? Noah. What? <laughs> what do you want? Gotta take one of those hippos out and bring in another one. What for? Cause you got two males down there and you need to bring in a female. I'm not bringing nothing in. You change one of them. <laughs> Come on, you know I don't work like that. Hell, I'm sick and tired of this. I've had enough of this stuff. I've been working all day, working on for days and days. I'm sick and tired of this. Noah? Yeah? How long can you tread water? <laughs> I'm sick and tired of this whole mess. If I've done it, the whole neighborhood's out there laughing at me. You're all having a grand time at good old Noah there. I went out and got my best friend Larry. I said, Larry, listen, I've been talking with the Lord. Larry said, oh, really? I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lord Larry, Larry Lloyd, you walked up there laughing. I hear them all up there laughing at me. You know I'm the only guy in this neighborhood with an art. People around there laughing, picket signs, walking up and down. I'm sick and tired of this stuff here. People are walking around there. How you doing, Tarzan? How's everything up there? Sick and tired of this mess here. You're supposed to know all and see all. You let me go out there and bring in a pregnant elephant. You give me no manual for delivery and everything. Never told me the thing was pregnant. Here's good old Noah waiting underneath the elephant there. Broom, right on top of the all that stuff for you running around you're supposed to know all and see all like I said before you let me go out there and do all this stuff here you never even looked in the bottom of that ark have you looked down there no who's gonna clean up that mess down there that's me I'll tell you that I've had enough of this stuff I'll tell you what I'm gonna do I'm letting all these animals out and then I'm gonna burn down this ark and I'm going to Florida somewhere because you haven't done nothing I'm sick and tired of all this mess you're pulling around and you haven't done nothing except as you got it raining It's not a shower, is it? Okay, Lord, me and you, right? Because I knew all the time everything was...
This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. have been nothing if not vague well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell there is a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War I. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner
Alexander Zajic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.